Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I certainly would love that. But also to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Best QB in the league right here. What's up, John Money? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Giannis. And Giannis does not stop it. Oh, please. What a cat. That's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. from one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Billy Todd and Andrew Boyd. Hello, hello. Hey, gentlemen. Hello. And the Packers lost, you know, one game losing streak, losing 23-19 to in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to the Pittsburgh Steelers who play there. Our team is now 3-6, and six. the Green Bay Packers, not very good, but you know, at, overall the last two weeks have kind of felt like what I thought this year was going to feel like, so I can't complain too much. Uh, Billy and myself, we did watch the game at Lynn Lake along with her buddies Zim and Shane, but... Uh, I don't know. I enjoyed the game. Bottom line, if if you get to, you know, there's a minute and a half left and the Packers are getting the ball on offense, if they score a touchdown to win the game, I'm I'm happy. That's all I'm asking out of my Sundays is for a competitive game at the end. But opening shit up here, Todd, opening thoughts on this game? <clears throat> yeah, I definitely thought this was a moral victory. Um, probably the happiest yeah. I've been with a loss in a long time. Just watching the offense clicking from not always, but time to time run defense, not so great, but in general watching Jordan love make some deep throws and touch throws. I mean, I was elated. I was so happy. I was like, Oh my God, he can do it. So I think in general, my thoughts on the game was it was overall, it was a win, even though we lost like that was the progress we need to see out of Jordan love going forward. And again, like the offense clicking and stuff like that, we took a step back on defense, but man, I was actually pretty excited. I mean, Todd, that's what we've been saying all year is we we just want to see progress out of this team, right? We recognize that they're young. We recognize they're going to be growing pains, but for a while there, it seemed like every week it was just, oh my God, this team is not getting better. We're getting worse. We're sloppy, stupid penalties, turnovers, misassignments, whatever. But now the last couple of games, it's like, okay, there's flashes of what this offense can be, what Jordan Love can be. And so I'm with you. This is the most optimistic I've felt about this team, certainly after a loss, but even after a win since the Chicago game. Yeah, shit, that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, it's and I don't know if it's just, you know, coincidental that the game where Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and Luke Musgrave all seem to be the biggest benefactors on offense that we, you know, seem to look a little better. It's crazy out because it's not like there's a huge difference in offensive output as far as points go over these last few games because what we had 19 in this game and then like against the Broncos it was 13 I think and it was it 16 but it's almost it's just like the difference between going three and out and getting to midfield and punting or getting into scoring range and having to either, you know, kick a field goal or punt or something like that. But yes. Well, and it goes back to complimentary football too, right? Like when we're going three and out, we're consistently putting the defense behind the eight ball. Whereas now, like you said, if we're getting to midfield a little bit into opponent's territory, sure. We still may need to punt, 
but the defense is playing well enough. They're keeping us in these games that, you know, get a quick three and out. Maybe the, the opposing punter has a bad punt. We get good field position, and that sets us up to go down and get a score in that possession. Yes, and it was avoiding because we didn't have a ton of holding calls in this game, if I remember correctly. Not a ton of false starts either. Of course, we had the illegal formation, which seems to be a constant at this point, at least once a week. Like when there's a flag and there's nothing else that we saw clear on offense, I'm like, it had to have been a illegal formation. But overall, you know, like I like we were saying there, good game, a moral victory, which is all we're really looking for this season. Um, so yeah, this episode we'll again talk about the Packers offense defense breakdown. Later on we're going to we are over halfway through the season. Halftime was the halfway point of the season this year with the uh god ninth what are we at? 17 game schedule. I almost said 19 game schedule. Uh so we're going to look at our predictions and our preview predictions, I guess, at the beginning of the season, and then have predictions for the rest of the season. We'll have Is Kyle and Idiots and Packers Trivia, and then, of course, preview the Chargers game. But yeah, again, this game, moral victory, something else to talk about. What did we feel? How did we feel about these refs? I thought the first couple calls weren't great, a little ticky-tacky. I think you could have called them, but... The big one to get out of the way here was the uh, <laughs> the no scoop and score. Any initial thoughts on that, Todd? I haven't heard your thoughts on it. Didn't watch the game. I think it's. With you. I think you, it's. Was it bad? Did you think it was bad and wrong? I thought bad and wrong. I thought it was great though that the one call that they reviewed and got it wrong. They reviewed it in like 0.2 seconds. They were like, yeah, definitely, definitely not an issue. Like we went to commercial break and they're like, yeah, we came back and, or they came back to the coverage and they're like, yeah, they made the decision like right away. And it's like, oh, and they made the wrong decision. Great. Perfect. Awesome. So I don't know. In general, the refs have not been good this year. I think across the board, maybe that's something fans always say. seems like lately it's been worse the last couple of years than ever before, but Man, <clears throat> that was a bad call, and it's really disappointing when like that's what replays for, and they can't get it right. I don't think I've seen anybody even defend the call. Like normally, no. you know, yeah. there's there's a talking head, or you know, Gene Steratore is brought out of the woodwork, and he says, "Oh, well, this is this is actually the call, and here's why." I mean, Gene Steratore still screwed up. The- well, you may not have been able to hear at Lynn Lake if you couldn't hear the broadcast, Didn't but on the broadcast, I heard he Gene it. said, "There's not enough there to turn it over," yeah. and I forget who was the color commentator on that one. I forget his name, but he's good. Yeah, he is good. And, the, and he the, was like, he was like, basically, I completely disagree. Like, that was a fumble. Yeah, and like, okay, that's right. And yeah. he's like, he's like, yeah, you probably disagree. He's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Dean <laughs> and, Blandino just came out today, I think, and said, yeah, that that was not a forward pass. So, I don't know. I don't understand. At least how they admit a, it. A, like, at least somebody came out and said that it was wrong. I she, guess I... Gene the uh, Gene did correct himself from the previous week. Where what was that call that he was wrong on? That was the the, 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 dub, dual the dub touchdown. Yeah, where he said it should have been a pick. He did on Twitter the next day admit that he was wrong. So I did like seeing that. Um, but yeah, either way, you don't like seeing bad calls. I didn't think the refs called a ton of penalties in the first half. They did it seem like, but 
a little bit. It was. It turns into those games where you get a touchdown or a big return, and you just brace yourself to see like a yellow thing pop up on the screen. But for that actual call, and I'm obviously upset that they didn't get it right, but I don't get nearly as upset on calls that they fuck up if it's something that like we didn't force. You know, it, that might be dumb, but it's like the Packers didn't do anything there to earn a fucking touchdown or the ball on the four yard line, you know? So it's hard for me to get too upset. I know the Steelers royally fucked up there, but it's not like Rashawn Gary blew up a play. Like I, the most mad I've ever been at a call was that Nick Perry sack fumble against the Colts in like 2012 or 2011. That was terrible. I guess the Clay Matthews one at Lambeau against the Vikings in 2018 was pretty ridiculous as well but something like this especially when it was earlier in the game too it doesn't boil my blood nearly as much as those other terrible calls what frustrates me is i don't i i haven't seen anybody explain to me how the call was made correctly upon review like the entire time i was watching it at the bar on sunday and granted this is a couple of beers deep so you know maybe my eyes aren't that good at that point but it sure looked to me that Pickett's lead foot was on the 15-yard line, whatever it was, and then he turns and rotates, and the ball lands blatantly behind the 14-yard line. So you can't tell me that his arm is somehow seven feet behind where his lead foot is. It's just not physically possible. Yeah, yeah. It was a tough one. I don't know, because even if it's like equal, it's supposed to technically be... uh you know, fumble or loose ball, but whatever. Either way, it's one of those. And I, I hate that this thought popped up in my brain, but I'm like, it's not like we're going to make the playoffs. It's not like we're going to make a run in the playoffs, I don't think, with this don't team. E- it's so loser it talk. Be, don't even go there. I know. I know it's loser talk, but it's like, <clears throat> eh, we'll see. Maybe we get a really good offensive tackle. I don't know. But anyways, moving on to the offense. I think it, I might forget about this next week, but I'm going to try to start doing this. Good stat, bad stat. Good stat. Packers were 8 for 16 on third down. That's pretty good. 50% is really good in the league. Two out of two on fourth down, and they're eighth in the NFL on third down and fourth down. That's pretty good. Bad stat. In the red zone, they were one for five, and the Packers are currently 27th in the league in the red zone at 47%. I did think it was funny. The New York Jets are last in the league at 22% with Nathaniel Hackett and uh, the gold zone calling plays. Is this the second year in a row we've been trash in the red zone? Yes, it's uh, I believe third year where it being with it being mediocre to that last year with Hackett, we weren't doing too well last year. It was really bad. I know we started off hot in that category, but there isn't a huge separation between like 47% because like you would be like 12th if you were at 56%, I believe. But number one is the Miami Dolphins at 75%, Jeez. which is fucking outrageous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the offense, I don't know. I thought once again, it was what we were missing against the Broncos and Oakland and the Lions where it's like there seems to be some type of I don't I don't know if I can say identity but everyone's on the same page for the most part we're actually moving the ball some creativity I didn't mind the 3rd and 11 double pass I'm surprised this isn't talked hasn't been talked about a little bit more yeah what did you guys think about that because i thought it was especially on a third and 11 where you have a lot of ground to make up it's like you might as well try that there and if aaron jones just would have caught it cleanly i think there was a better chance of it to get picked up 
here's how I judge plays like that. I mean, it was the same thing with that fourth down tackle eligible pass to Bakhtiari last year against Detroit. If it looks like there's something there and there's a chance of it succeeding with better execution, I'm all for it. It's the same thing with the the Jordan Love throwback pass earlier in the year against, was it the Saints, where he slipped on that fourth down or whatever. You know, yep. the Bakhtiari one, Bakhtiari's wide open. Better throw from Rodgers, touchdown. The throwback pass to Love against the Saints, the dude is wide open. If Love doesn't lose his feet or, you know, we don't fumble the 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 lead pass, like, that's that's a completion, that's a big play. Same thing with this one. It sure looked like we had something out in front. We had blockers, we had some space. I don't know if we get the first down. I didn't see a good replay regardless, but... It felt like in the heat of the moment, you know, I was I was getting excited like, hey, we got a chance on this. Yeah, yeah it uh, I don't know. Todd. I, I, I agree. I think I just think it was a good I like the play call. I yeah, the execution this year has just been garbage. I think if we hit on those plays, everyone's really happy. Um, I, I don't it's not a situation where like the Lazard uh jet uh, you know what i mean like there's certain plays like that where you're getting too cute and like this maybe is more cute but i it's almost better right (laughs) like it's almost better if you're just going all in and it's a complete trick play i would rather take a high risk play like this than fucking aaron joe or sorry aj dylan running up shotgun you know what yeah, I mean? Right. Like, uh, well, show us some potential. And if it's going to be activity, you know, cute, like you got the big reward side. Like if the upside's there, right? High risk, high exactly. reward, great. If it's high risk, low reward, I'm not really in for it. Well, and what's it's third and eleven. So if we just exactly if we yes. just come out of the shotgun and you know send Jones out of the, out of the backfield, what do you put our percentage of, com- of converting that at? You know, like 20%, regardless of what we have dialed up, Maybe, if that. Right. So why not take a shot if, like you said, high risk, high reward? Yeah, I mean, the Jaden Reed touchdown, I believe, was on a third and 16 or third and 18 play yep. as well. So it's like, yeah, might as well risk it for the biscuit. Uh, speaking of that touchdown, Jordan Love, again, not hard or hard to be... Oh, Jesus Christ. Hard not to be impressed. Wow, that sounds better. <laughs> that's that's a sentence that actually makes sense with his play on Sunday. What was he? 21 for 40, 289 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. I honestly, I don't even fucking care about the picks in this game, which probably no. I'm full in on the, on the whole rebuild year shit. But like I said, hard not to be impressed. Really nice touchdown to read in real time. I thought he put a little bit too much air on it, kind of like that Broncos touchdown. But looking back, it's like, yeah, it was it was better. Thank it was you. the right amount of zip on the ball. Uh, weird pocket movement on that deep ball to him late too. But that was – it's one of those where it worked out, but there's a different universe out there where he throws a pick on that play too. Like it was just meandering through the pocket, throwing it out there deep. The touchdown to Dobbs perfect spot in the end zone that was the perfect touched touch throw he actually hit musgrave deep down the middle which has been a struggle all year so that was cool he stuck that one ball in there to watson in the first or second quarter on third and ten one of those where the ball just disappears and you're like did he catch it did he catch it and it's like oh my god a contested catch christian watson jordan love slung it in there i was very happy about that one too the other one where Chip broke down, finds Wicks over the middle, open. We just found a nice little spot in the middle there. And then the deep throw to Dobbs, that was a miss. Bray kind of whipped it. I like that too. You know, like it's, it was his best game, I think, even better than the Bears game. 
he still has a couple of those little misses where like an Aaron Jones screen pass or you know a Jaden Reed screen it's like he's off a little bit where they have to like reposition themselves before running upfield which kind of throws the whole playoff but hard not to get excited after this past game hopefully he can keep this going Todd what were your thoughts on Jordan <clears throat> yeah uh, similarly I don't give a crap about the picks I was really excited to see him throw what seemed like in rhythm for the most part when he got pushed off his spot he almost made some of his bigger plays um, when he got pushed off his spot, which was good to see against the blitz, which I know he wasn't bad against the blitz prior, but it was interesting to see when they sent the house at him, he stayed cool. He made the right throw on his first or second read. Like it, it just was like, it was like clean, like from him for the most part, it was clean. There was some drops, which there is every single week from these receivers and Aaron Jones for some reason. Um, but like the touch passes, specifically the one the two touchdowns those are both touch passes which he has not been successful on i thought that was great to see like literally everything i couldn't care less about the picks the positive things we saw completely outweigh those other things because they're things that he wasn't doing all year so like these are the things that we need going forward not not through he wasn't throwing the touch passes he he threw a couple for touchdowns and then throwing into tight windows, which he has done. I guess the problem with it has been nobody's been catching them in the tight windows. That's yes, really been yes. the problem. Um, so I guess maybe holistically the passing game is what we should be really excited about. People finding spots, sitting down in the zone. Like it looked like yes. a football team. It was exciting. So, Billy, I have a question. Oh, oh yes. Oh, oh. Yeah, no, no. I just, I just kind of wanted to chime in on, on Todd and Billy's perspective because <laughs> oh, okay. a couple of weeks back, back when here. I was here, well, Spencer, I think I know yours already, <laughs> but when I, a couple of weeks back when I was here, I think I'll we were all kind I'll of, you host, especially yeah. I was, <laughs> in the mindset of like, okay, Matt LaFleur's got to go and, you know, love is, is just a guy and he's not the long-term solution. He's not doing anything right. Too many mistakes, no optimism. Has that totally shifted over the course of the last two weeks for all of you? I... I what I I think so it's it's a week by week thing we're doing here. And no, I and every week I'm saying- we have opinions on how it's going to go. I don't think any of us said for sure like we got like Jordan Love is just a middle of the road guy. We got to move on from Matt that. LaFleur. Yeah, I think you might have said that. Well, you were I might have said were, that. I might have just projected that upon everyone else as well. You were, so you were that's inferring totally that I said that by not giving me opportunity to answer this either. I would say right now <laughs> I don't I don't have much belief in the overall coaching staff of this team. You know, it's they've struggled coaching up these young guys. However, on offense, I think the scheme is pretty I think Matt LaFleur is great. He's okay to good at calling plays. I think what he has in the bag is good enough to win football games. However, the the coaching aspect that he holds, I don't think he's got a great staff that can coach these guys up. And I don't think He's he knows how to be a great NFL coach. Even just this week, the shit yesterday, like he got on Jason Wildey about the uh, you know the uh, nickel defense men, thing and the down lineman down stuff. Linemen. And it's not just that because I thought his answers were were fine. You know they were great, but he he's just been so pissy all year in these pressers, and he doesn't know how to manage his coaching staff. He doesn't know how to manage media relations. The stuff that Mike McCarthy, I think, was really good at, even the messaging, I think there's been some kind of incepting that Jason Willie's been trying to do in these pressers, where not this week, but the previous week, he was talking about how Matt LaFleur made it mere week. And there was this whole, like, you know, 
this message throughout the week for the team, which is shit Mike McCarthy did for every single game. And Jason like asked Matt about that, like, oh, I heard this was Mere Week, and you know, all the guys were talking about it, like that message got across. And it seems like Jason asked that because it's not something Matt usually does. So he's not a motivator. He's not great at managing people. I think his scheme's pretty good. Like if you could combine Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur together, I think he got one good NFL head coach that can, you know, obviously can't complain about Mike McCarthy's career. But that's my thoughts. I don't think we have enough on Jordan Love. My big take on Jordan Love is I think he could still be good. He needs to win a Super Bowl to prove that drafting him was the right choice. But I would say drafting Jordan Love when we did to start this rebuild, which we're being told is going to take two years at least. I don't think the benefits of drafting Jordan Love in 2020 are coming to fruition when you are also having a rebuild. I talked a lot there, Todd, Billy. What do you guys? I mean, I think I definitely did say at one point I was I think I was like taking out the panic button. I mean, I was really close. Um, I think that it maybe Lafleur made a comment at one point that all these guys are really young and we're not going to be able to do as much with the offense. I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what he said, but there may be some truth to that. And maybe what we were maybe that was 100 percent the truth and that we were seeing guys that literally didn't know how to run this offense. And he was just having to dumb it down because seemed like week one and two, the scheme was like pretty interesting and like people were open and all of a sudden there was nothing. And it was like mm-hmm. nobody was open, like pro football focus or whoever does those next gen stats was like, yeah, like the, now the wide receivers are never open. And it was like, OK, what's going on? And like things were kind of falling apart. And now I'm feeling a lot more positive now and I'm feeling like maybe maybe that was the case. But who knows? I mean, they could be. I mean, things could revert next week. Who knows? Or yes. this week. Right. Yeah, so I, I used the, the word before, you know, it seemed like the team had been regressing. Like, if you look back to where we were after the Vikings game, we'd lost four in a row. And in the six games before that Rams game, I mean, you could argue that the offense looked competent for two halves. That first half yeah. against Atlanta and the second half against New Orleans. That's it. So for the Quar- offense, to you look could even say quarters. It was a right. couple quarters that they <laughs> right. looked good. So for the <laughs> offense to look competent, even not even good, just competent for that little amount of time, and not for over a month, like of course we're going to be down on the coaching staff, and of course we're going to be down on Jordan Love. So now, like I said in the open, hey, we've seen some some progress. Like let's. Coaches say it all the time. Let's stack su- success, right? Like we've gotten close. We haven't been able to pull out a close game in a little while. Let's, you know, figure out how to finish this time. So right now the, the, the arrow is in an upward direction. It's not straight up, but it's trending that way. So let's see how things go the rest of the season. If we completely bottom out and lose our last eight games, I mean, fire everybody. So we'll see, see how it goes. And it's it's an incredibly complicated question because that is, once again, you know, for me, the road always leads back to Mark Murphy <laughs> because <laughs> we're, we're in such <laughs> we're in such a weird spot now because like I would say this. I don't feel confident that Matt LaFleur is a good enough head coach to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. I can say that right now. But at the same time, I think. I would rather go with him and lean with him and Goody rather than, you know, because it's it's going to be a half-baked 
shit off season here too. Because if Matt doesn't get fired, and I don't think he will unless everything falls out, he's going to have to make a lot of changes to his coaching staff. And what's diff? And we, you know, this is what we've been asking for. I've been bitching about it for over a year now, like two years now. But what's tough is when he does make that move, the guys who he's going to hire, if you want smart coaches, smart coaches and guys who are looking for premier jobs in the NFL might not want to go to Green Bay with Matt LaFleur, who they know is on the hot seat. So then it turns into a whole thing, well, do I want Goody gone? And then if you fire Matt, you got a weird thing where Goody's working with this new head coach, his third head coach now, and it's a whole different, like the third time he's stepping into someone who is supposed to have the same amount of power as him, but you're going to be reporting to Goody, the guy who's been within the organization for 30 years, and it's just, it's convoluted. I feel better. I'd want to keep this shit together, actually see if Jordan Love is the guy, and then move on, which which sucks, but that's that's kind of where we're at right now at the franchise. Uh, go, oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, going along with that, uh, running backs. <laughs> um. Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, not a great game. God. So it I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do here. Aaron Jones has Aaron Jones hasn't played a ton this year. Him and AJ Dillon both have a 3.7 yards per carry on the season. If you bring out the decimal point, you know, yet you do round up for AJ Dillon, it's actually like 3.65. But they're pretty much the same guy on the year. Aaron Jones did not have a good game, a 2.7 average on 13 carries. He did have the four receptions for 19 yards. He did have a nice catch on fourth down. It was a fourth and six. He had a nice catch in the flat, which I had forgot about. Um, it was really weird to see Matt LaFleur throw him under the bus a little bit with that uh, with the fourth quarter drive where he caught it and did not run out of bounds. It was one of those where watching it live and watching the replay, I'm not even sure if he could have gotten out of bounds because it goes Same. back to the Jordan Love ball placement thing because he had to reposition himself behind the line. And I don't know if he could have got back around unless he did literally run straight out of bounds. We would have saved 25 seconds. So it was kind of a weird spot. But then to you, be also, in, I you also need to be trying to progress the ball you when you run backwards. out of bounds. You can't go backwards. And yes. I'm with you. It sure seemed like there were an awful lot of defenders that would have forced him backwards or taken him mm -hmm. down in bounds. Did he? Did Lafleur say watching, something right after the game though? Because he he right doesn't after the see game, the broadcast right after the right? game, so it maybe it looked like yes. from his position he had an opportunity, but who knows? He didn't he didn't correct himself on Monday either, and he's a guy who probably would like he's. I mean, we keep... Lafleur never talks bad. He always takes blame himself typically, but again, maybe AJ Dillon is his dude. You know, Jordan loves his dude, but Aaron Jones is not his guy, so he does not have to protect him. And hold out, you know, anything yes, for yes. that. People are asking, but it's it's weird because even after you know Monday's presser where he talked, to, he was getting on Jason Wildy about the two down lineman thing and nickel. Well, he called Jason yesterday after the presser to like apologize about getting on him. It's like that's what we're talking about with this head coach of the football team. Like he's apologizing to the media just for talking a little sternly with them. But whatever. Either way, um, I don't know. The it was that drop there. He had a. What was the other bad play he had to? He had another drop later in the game where Aaron Jones, not a very good Aaron Jones game overall. A.J. Dillon, however, he was, in the last month, he's been fine. You see him with Much the ball. Better. He, he's not tripping over himself. He's not, 
he, you know, we Aaron Jones will get like a zero yard run if he's hit at the line or a minus three. You don't get that a ton of times with AJ Dillon unless you pitch it out wide and someone immediately breaks penetration or whatever. But he did have the longest run of his career, that 40 yard scamper, which was absolutely fucking hilarious with him like high stepping towards the end of it too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like AJ Dillon gets an ugly three yards every carry he gets, and Aaron Jones gets like a beautiful three yards where he's wide open and then he's immediately brought down by like a safety come running downfield where AJ Dillon might run for an, an extra yard or two getting dragged and Aaron Jones just kind of goes down immediately. That's what it's been. I still love Aaron Jones. I want to see him get the ball more, but any thoughts on the running backs? I talked a lot there again. Yeah. I mean, I think Dylan has been playing better in my opinion. I mean, this game was obviously an anomaly for Jones, 13 carries, 35 yards, pretty gross. Um, that's not a good day. So it was good to see him get the ball 13 times. I think if he consistently gets the ball double digits, you know, we're in good shape today or Sunday just wasn't his day. So I I know there's a stat I had seen before where when Aaron Jones has over 20 touches, the next game he had, he's very unproductive and really? not just a, Yes, and it's a per-touch statistic, too. I'd seen this in the past. Interesting. This is bad radio, but it's it, there is something where if he's got a big game, he usually doesn't have two big games in a row. Billy? I mean, we also played a pretty good defense in Pittsburgh, right? So, I mean, Aaron Jones didn't have a great game, but and I know that you can't do this, but I'm going to just to make a point. If you Uh-oh. take away the 40-yard run by A.J. Dillon, right. he's down to 3.7 yards a carry. Which yeah. isn't awful, but it's it's basically in line with what he's been doing all year. So people might yeah. look at the oh, you know, Green Bay running backs rush for 105 yards on 22 carries. That's you know that's pretty good. Well, 40 of them came on one run. When you get over a 30 yards on one carry, doesn't say much for the rest of your your effort out there. So. Yeah, the Aaron Jones also had four catches for twenty yards too. I mean, that's yeah, that does he, add a little bit of production yeah, to yeah. it. I mean, he had the fourth down pickup, which was probably the biggest thing. And I mean, I'll talk about John Rooney and the screens fucking later. But pass catchers, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, uh, Romeo Dubs, Christian Watson. I mean, God, it's I don't want to say dream, but it's like this is once again kind of like oh, this is. This is getting interesting. Uh, Jaden Reed had the five receptions, 84 yards, the one touchdown. Wicks, three receptions, 51 yards. Romeo Dubs, three receptions, 31. Christian Watson, two receptions, 23 yards, and that was on seven targets. That's kind of how it's been this year. But, yeah, Reed caught a couple big ones. The body catch on the touchdown, but it was nice. You know, I don't want to see a body catch, but that was nice. It worked. He seems to be the yards after catch guy. Like, if there's one receiver, we should throw those little bubble screens, too. It's Jaden crossing routes. So nice. Yes. Well, him and especially uh, Dontavian Wicks as well. I mean, we've been saying it all year kind of since week one that he just gets open. It's still weird that he led the team in snaps week one for the receivers. And now he's finally kind of getting more and more. Um, Yeah. He's really good at finding the soft spot in the zone. And when a play breaks down, he always just runs upfield. And I don't know if it's just the fact that his entire leg is like sock, that it's white sock. But long strides. Sometimes there's just there's something when you're watching guys, and there's like a different gear almost with strides. Like Ryan Grant had it. 
um, like AP had. I'm trying to think of who else. We've talked about this before, but just really Arian Foster. Arian Foster, I think, is a classic. Like just these long strides when they're running. And Wicks has that. So I was very happy to see him get more involved. Romeo Dobbs, just three catches, but a beautiful touchdown catch. And then uh, let's talk about the positives first. What did you think about the positive pass catchers here, huh, Todd? Mm, Jaden Reed. Dog. Wicks. Mm. Jaden Reed, dog. Five for five. <laughs> and the tutty. It was nice. It was fun to watch. It was five for five. Five two, for five, five and the tutty. Wicks was four for That's three good. for 51. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think the most impressive thing that we've seen in a long time because we never saw it with Rodgers was seeing these rookie wide receivers go out there and actually ball out and get some good experience under their belt. I mean, this is fun to watch. Dontavian Wicks and Jane Reed going out there and looking like looking like they're not rookies, being able to play in this offense, you know, getting some snaps with Jordan Love. I think that's awesome. Yeah, the the receivers look good in general. Um, I almost started talking about Luke Musgrave, but we'll keep that for later. But Dobbs, too, with that nice toe touch in the back of the end zone, that was fun mm-hmm. to watch. That was really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the bad – if you want to go there right now, well, let, let's let's. There's one in particular. Right now. <laughs> I I want I want to throw this out there too. Watching the replay, I didn't realize there was two of them. Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed had catches where they went to the ground and then they rolled forward yes, for another I yard saw or that. two. Both of them, two of them. In My one son asked, he's like, "Why are they rolling?" I was like, "Well, they're trying to get extra <laughs> yards." He's like, "Why don't they get up and run?" I was like, "Well, it's complicated. Like they're." And I replayed it so we could watch them. Like, they're waiting to punch the ball out, but it's like... That's funny. That's pretty funny. He well, noticed. He, he was, was like, asking Why? the right questions, yeah. you know, because that's not an easy answer. So I know. I was like... Yeah, it's a high like, IQ it's question. It's complicated, but, like, watch the replay. They're, like, waiting for him to get up. And it takes yeah. longer to get up than to just roll, roll. and pick yeah. up an extra couple of yards. Mm-hmm. I've been really impressed with Wicks. I mean, for a fifth-round pick to come in and... I mean, number one, it's hard for rookie receivers to contribute in year one. But Wicks has come in as a fifth-round pick, so pretty low expectations, I would say. And he has mm-hmm. more yards than Christian Watson. Greater, granted, in fewer game, or in more games, but he's just been so much more productive than, than Watson when they're both out there. And Reed, for a second-round pick, leading the team in receiving yards. So... These young guys I've been really impressed with, the rookies um, in particular, I'll say, before we get into the negatives. Yeah. So, and I'll say this, the stat was going out there, you know, it's always like EPA and all this like per play shit. So it's like yards per target is a big one for a receiver. Yards per target. And Jaden Reed and Octavian Wicks have been great on that. I think it's, both of them are right around, it's between 10 and 8 yards per target is what they're at. Christian Watson is at two yards per target, which is one of the worst. And Romeo Dobbs is also one of the worst in the league. Out of like 65 receivers, he was ranked like 57th in yards per target. So that's not good. And it kind of goes back to the whole, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about veterans in the in the receiver room. The two veterans, again, in this receiving room are Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, who are two of the least productive wide receivers in the NFL right now per snap and per target, which... Just saying. So Christian Christian Watson, we can talk about him now. Obviously, those two catches he did have, and they were fine. You know, the first one was close to a first down. The second one was a very contested catch in the middle of the field. Very happy with that. But not very good. He had the two bad drops. The pick, the first one, you rewatched that. The first pick, it's an out and up. 
horseshit route. He does. He he's got Patrick Peterson on him, and he half asses the out, so he knows he's just gonna come up. Like it was, you you watch him run, and you're like, this isn't a natural route. Runs right up to him, tips it up, it gets picked. The last play, you know, not a ton you could say about that, but how do we feel about Christian Watson? Should he be getting less snaps? You know, it's not like there's a ton of fast guys that you that we have on the team to just you know spread the field or whatever. But how are how are we thinking? I have a hard so, time. Oh, you go. Oh, so okay. first of all, I wanna. I know that I'm gonna say some not necessarily glowing things about Christian Watson here. You must not eventually, be part of his But first of all, that first interception, Watson was not perfect by any means, but. From what it sounds like LaFleur said in the presser, the ball shouldn't have gone there because of the coverage that they were playing. It should have gone to the opposite side of the field. So LaFleur said it shouldn't have gone there, but he did also put more blame on Watson on Monday's presser saying he ran a horseshit route. Well, he didn't say that, but he said you want him to kind of sell sure, yeah. the out or sell the yeah, right. out so, a little more than the out. So my point is not blameless, but he didn't run a great route. My thing with Watson, he also had that terrible drop on third down. It was a third and Mm -hmm. six, I think. And number one, he stops his route two yards short of the sticks, and then he just flat out drops the ball when he doesn't have anybody within four yards of him. And it's like, dude, if you can't make the easy ones, it's hard to justify keeping you on the field. Yes, there's a lot of raw talent there, but and we saw it in the second half of last year, but new year, new quarterback, what have you done for me lately? And frankly, he hasn't done a whole lot. I Todd. I have a hard time keeping his skill set off the field and limiting the snaps for that skill set. I really think that you need it. I think we need to keep investing in him and keep him on the field. It's unfortunate that guys who are just freak athletes get a lot of chances. But like honestly, when you have a freak athlete that can stretch the field – Everybody has more opportunities. You look at the way Musgrave, if he can hit that seam consistently, he is going to stretch the middle of the field and the safeties are going to have to, they're going to have to look at it, right? And you're going to have to play it differently. So I think like Christian Watson on the outside with the speed, it just, it it can totally change an offense. So I don't know. I, I'm torn a little bit in that. And I think, I think he still has to get the snaps, um, not saying he's always going to get. I think he had seven targets. That's a lot. Um, not saying it's going to be those kind of targets, but I think he's still got to have the snaps. Here's the other thing I'm looking at. I've got his stats pulled up for the year. He's got 236 yards. His long is 77. That one against the Raiders. He has 77 God, yards after the catch. He probably got <laughs> half of his yards after the catch on that one play. And that needs to be his game with how fast mm-hmm. he is. Like, get him the ball and get him running away from people. And it's just not happening. Yeah, it's it's been tough. I do feel bad because, one, his brother, his father, his mother are all on Twitter. And they just, they just don't shut the fuck up. It's just don't say anything. Because, you know, they have to defend their son, they think. And in doing so, they're like, trashing Jordan Love. It's like, you guys just got to kind of disappear in that shit. But 
I like Christian Watson, and that's what kind of sucks about when my brother at work. Someone like <laughs> makes him switch hours or something. I call his boss and coworkers, and I say, "What are you doing to my little brother? <laughs> How do you let him work and that so much? Always, Why are you being mean to my brother?" That always has a positive <laughs> effect, you know? and he likes that. Yeah, he's like Andrew. That really helps my, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, environment in the office. Thank you. Well, Please keep calling my so, direct superiors. So that's the thing too. So Jason Wildey talked about this last week as well. How he had talked to Christian. During his locker room availability, it wasn't on camera or anything, but uh, he asked about his his parents. He was like, "Oh, well, you know, I, I can't stop them from, you know, I'm not going to tell them not to not to tweet or not say what they want to say." But he implied that it would be nice if they didn't say things. And I, with Christian Watson again, I mean, we don't have to talk about this too much. Again, I really like him because all his interviews, he's great. LaFleur has said how smart he is. He did have a very high Wonderlick score, too. They say how he's one of those guys who is trying to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. It's just one of those things where it's like, obviously, playing for NDSU with much worse competition, there's this growth that needs to happen and being pushed into being a number one receiver your second year in the league. Uh, you know, we don't know if he's the number one, but, you know, that was kind of the hype going into the season. It's tough to you know, get that all together. You know, I, I don't want to say he's MVS, but right now, well, he, he's three letters. How about spin zone right now? He's Devonte Adams. Remember that character arc? Remember how long mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. took? Remember people calling for him to be cut in year three? I, I tweeted that out to him. Like what's been more annoying this year, the Jordan love to Aaron Rodgers slash Brett Favre slash Peyton Manning slash, uh, uh, Josh Allen comparisons or Christian Watson to Devonte Adams. Cause that's what it's been. It, that's what's frustrating to me because I remember the Devonte Adams, um, years when he wasn't producing. The difference was he had veteran receivers in front of him. The expectations were not yes. that high going into yes. this year. Christian Watson was supposed to be our number one receiver pick up where he left off the second half of last year. I get that he got hurt. It hasn't happened. The the expectations is what makes this most frustrating for me. I think the takeaway, though, is that I think there is a legitimate takeaway in that a guy can get it late in the game, right? A guy can get it later, and he has all the tools. He has more tools than Devontae Adams ever had. Like in the athleticism yeah. category, he is pure athlete. So if he gets higher ceiling, it, then he's got a higher ceiling than Justin Jefferson. We all remember that tweet this offseason. I don't remember that tweet. So someone tweeted that out and it went viral. Was that Christian Watson's family that tweeted that? No, it was that uh, pow, pack, I forget his fucking name, but yeah, I'm dumb. Just dumb content farming or interaction farming, I should say. But yeah, it okay. Christian Watson. Right now he's bad. We all could hope be he's going to be better in the future. And he could, could get be better. Uh, something good right now. Luke Musgrave had the 64 yards. Looked good. Still a little baby Musgrave. You know, fell down after catching the ball both times. But hey, there were guys at least pretty close to him. So it made a little bit more sense. I think watching that play too. Um, did you watch from the back of the end zone cam too? The way he did have to adjust for that. Like I think that mm-hmm. made a little bit more sense. Bit. Like yeah, yep. he's still getting his feet under him. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, 64 yards look good. And then the other big thing, huge thing out of this game, Tucker Craft, he did play 51% of the snaps. He graded out poorly on offense. He was the lowest graded player. But he did have the seal block on Dylan's uh, long run, and he did have a reception in the game. So I'm happy. Ben Sims, the undrafted rookie that we poached off the pra- uh, the Vikings practice squad, 
He had zero snaps. Josiah DeGuara only had five. So we're getting into the, you know, Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, and God, I'm thinking I was I, I was kind of close last week. I wonder if we'll see some Henry Pearson here in the in the future. I would cut fucking Josiah DeGuara at this point. But uh, why such yeah. a good pass or such a good uh, field goal? Ugh. And, and yeah. such a, such a great guy in the locker room. Yeah, stoic. He's stoic. He looks like a statue when he's on special teams. Uh, the offensive line, Walker, Elton, Myers, Runny, and Tom. Yash was active, but Walker started. It seems like they kind of had him active just uh, in case of an emergency-type role. Walker held up fine, but he did give up five pressures. Um, Elton's been playing better of late. You know, he had that MCL tear or sprain early in the year. It seems like he came back a little early, wasn't playing well, but he's looking like Elton again. Um, Zach Tom, I mean, good game, went up against TJ Watt, only gave up the one sack. He's a crazy person too. So after practice, when he gets to the locker room, he's always got his iPad and he's refreshing like whatever app or whatever the Packers have, waiting to see film not of who he's going up against, but how he looked in practice. Like he, as soon as practice is over, he wants to look at the film of how he practiced to see how his form is. That's awesome. When he's playing right tackle. That's awesome. It's like, and uh, Jason Wilde said, uh, what's his name? Elton Jenkins in the past, similar. He's been one of those guys too who does the same exact thing, refreshing the iPad. So that's good. I think Zach Tom, I mean, we've never really said anything negative about him, but it seems like he's absolutely going to be a player. And then John Runyon, you know, last week I said I was fine with not replacing him, but I would really like to see rotation of him and Sean Ryan at this point. I mean, God, it you know, last week wasn't good. And then this week, that first first or second series we had on second and one, he pulled and just got blown up. And then we had that Aaron Jones screen pass where he didn't get to his spot, didn't hold his block. It would have been a huge gain. If he got to his spot... The Packers probably score a touchdown on that drive, and we probably win that game. But he just has shown all year he can't move quick enough for the type of offense that Matt wants to run with these screens and things. But he just keeps, you know, I I don't know if Sean Ryan's going to be better, but I would like to find out, especially in a year like this. But I don't offensive line shit. Do you guys any hot, have any hot takes on the O-line here? Um, did you see that tweet where it was that same off-ball linebacker hitting John Runyon and then this, the same guy was hitting A.J. Dillon in the hole? No. A.J. Dillon no. blocked him. John Runyon got decleated. <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. I was going to say that it seemed like the interior of the offensive line struggled. We didn't get the run game going. We saw that with Jones and with Dillon outside the 40-yarder, which was a bounce outside after Kraft sealed it. But... God, that Keanu Benton from Pittsburgh just, he killed us. He was good. He had, he had like six tackles. And the only reason I know the name is because I'm a Wisconsin fan, so that's a little painful for me. But, I mean, he had two quarterback hits. He didn't had a he deflected bat- pass. Okay, I was going to say, did he bat he was, like two balls? <laughs> he was all over the place. And he's a defensive tackle. So you typically would assume that the defensive tackle is not getting that much heat on your quarterback. Unless it's the Aaron thing- Donald. The thing us peasants have to remember, though, is we don't see the work that these guys put in during the week because John Runyon and Josh Myers are two of the more veteran guys in that room, and they're great leaders, and they're great in the room showing guys what they have to improve on, so we have to keep rewarding them with playing. Well, yeah, minutes. all they need to do is watch uh, Myers and Runyon play on Sunday, and they'll see what they need to improve on. Hey, you know, Myers has been a little... The last two weeks, there hasn't been any glaring, hey, this was dumb idiot plays, so he's he's... 
It's like there's only one offensive lineman I can have on my shit list at a time, and right now it's John <laughs> Runyon. So with that, uh, we will have a quick commercial break. And we are back with the defense. Defense, again, God, 23 points. Can't get too pissed. You know, 23 points isn't too bad. But I guess 23 points is a lot worse when you give up 205 yards uh, rushing also. Good stats. The Steelers were 4 out of 13 on third down. That's really bad if you're a Steelers fan. Uh, bad stats for the Packers. The Steelers average 5.7 yards per carry. Uh, maybe a worse stat. No team has forced less turnovers than the Packers with 8 over the totality of the season, which is pretty bad. Um, again, gave up over 200 yards uh, rushing when you're going up against a Kenny Pickett-led football team. Who could have thought they were going to run the ball? And we also had 16 missed tackles, which is pretty bad, but I think that's the second most missed tackles on the season. I think we had like 18 against the Broncos or Lions earlier this year. So just shows you that uh, Joe's doing a great job. Uh, front seven, we didn't have Quay or Jair. You know, that kind of developed throughout the week. Jair, especially with that shoulder injury. It's not the shoulder that he had his surgery on in a previous year. But that whole situation is not ideal with Jair, who got a game ball after the Rams game and seemed to be healthy. So that'll be an interesting thing to monitor. But front seven... You know, defensive line wasn't great. Rashawn, Kenny, Preston all graded out above average, but that was about it. TJ, Colby, Wooden, and Van Ness all graded below 50%. But I don't know, not a ton to talk about with the front seven, I guess. Devondre Campbell nearly had that pick six that he's a little bit late on. Isaiah McDuffie, you know, maybe Cinderella, the whole glass slipper, blah, blah, blah. He didn't show up as well in the run game. The two safeties weren't great either up front, but... What did you guys think of the big boys up front on the defense? I like to think that had Quay played, this would have been a little bit different of a game. Having the guy that can yeah. fly around. Granted, there's those are some big formidable running backs, and I'm not saying that he would have been the fix to everything, because they did it did look like they blocked well up front too. And that's tough. But I do think getting Quay to the spot quicker maybe would have helped. I don't know if they pull a lot. It seemed like on their big plays they were pulling a guard. And like Maybe Quay beats him to the spot. I don't know. Felt like he was missed. Um, felt like there wasn't a whole lot of passion in the run game. Like people were missing tackles that felt like they should have had. Lucas Van Ness oh. got tossed once or twice. It was just like didn't and even that the Warren um his first name the 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 Carrington Valentine. I don't. If you're talking oh my about gosh, the worst the effort. Yes, that was. That was uh, I just don't even Shamarjean Charles against the Bengals bad. That is like that's the anomaly. I hope I didn't like watch the all twenty two or anything, but I'm like, man, that is a horrible look. Like if you're if you're in the room watching film, like the coaches have to rip your ass. That is horrible. For those that don't know or don't remember, on the first touchdown run, Valentine runs up and doesn't make any physical contact, really. He just tries to snatch the ball out of Warren's hands, and that is it. And then he just keeps running, oh, and then he runs for a touchdown. Hang on. I'm talking about when they had that seal Ooh, block oh, on the inside. Yes, that one, and <laughs> that he, one was bad, too. I don't know why he was... Yes. Did they must have had a motion or something like that, where they're running and he ran with them? Yes. <clears throat> so he's in the middle of the field, behind the linebackers, in the center of the field, and he freezes. He sees the guard coming, and he just stops. There's a, I think they had a, a, a tight end 
go to the second level and a guard pull through and he just stops and does so, nothing. Christian Watson's father defended him on that play because he's saying he's out there to try to have the whoever's responsible for him to come closer to him. And that's why he took himself out of the play, which I'm sure he was someone's responsibility. But I think Carrington could have done a little bit more to, you know, I don't know, disrupt the play rather than I'm just not, sit there with his thumb up his I'm hand. I'm not right? a, a defensive coordinator, um, but... You know who your assignment is when you're a pulling guard? Whoever's in front of you. And if you're well, standing over there 10 yards off to the right, you're not in front of anybody. So, Well, you didn't play in the league like Christian Watson's father, so I don't know why you're speaking on this. So dumb. My other thing is you're a 190-pound cornerback or whatever. You're faster and more agile than this dude that's coming at you that weighs 325 pounds. So... You don't have to go through him. You can go around him and still try to get back into the play. Hey, this is, uh, what, week two after the Jair Alexander Leadership Foundation. So maybe he's just learned from uh, the new the new guy, you know, leading that group there. But I, I think you're right, Spencer. You kind of said that it was a, a kind of a blah game, just not a lot of effort. Like, And the stats speak to it. There, there were no splash plays. And I remember last week, like we talked glowingly about Isaiah McDuffie and how he was flying around and making plays. He might have only had a couple of TFLs last week, but he showed up in other places. I don't. I honestly don't remember any plays that really anybody made. Preston on, had the sack. The, <laughs> That's about it. On the rewatch, Isaiah did get like a guard or tackle that he was engaged with and threw him at Kenny Pickett. So that was kind of cool. I like that. But other than that, yeah, there really wasn't much disruption up front. Uh, with the secondary, moving on, team decided to stick with Jonathan Owens and start him next to Rudy Ford. Both of those guys missed multiple tackles. I mean, Carrington Valentine, we talked about him already in the run game. Keyshawn Nixon, again, he's kind of like Darnell, where he might not have the best form, but fuck, if he doesn't try the his effort best is there. to just... It's it's always there. I really love. He is the one guy uh, who's out him. there with some tenacity, right? Like he he's the new Razul. He's flying a hundred yeah. miles an hour wherever he's going. He may not go in the right direction, but he's going. And when he hits you, I mean, he hits hard. I love this too. After the game, someone tweeted him, "Keep your feet in bounds." He quote tweeted and said, "I know." And then there was a frowny face. <laughs> so like, like he was upset too. Like he even responded, he's like, fuck man. And he probably should have had that pick he as well. It's once again, definitely could have. always these little plays. That yes. That's an awfully tough play to make. You're full speed going at the sideline. The yeah. only thing I would I mean, say though is he's it. a ball guy though. He's not, he's got hands. Like he can catch the ball. Yeah. Yep. And either way, I thought the corners held up pretty well. You know, Valentine and Valentine to, uh, well, Valentine, the rookie Valentine, I believe, is a second-year player. But going up against Deontay Johnson and uh, George Pickens, you could have been much, much, much worse. And in my player props this week, if I would have had one more Pickens catch, I would have won thirty bucks. If I would have had one Pickens touchdown, I would have won six hundred bucks. So I was really hoping that would have happened, but uh, no one cares about that. Uh, on the bright side, wrapping up the defense here. Big thing, hadn't thought about. I saw Zach Cruz tweet this out, asking Rob Domofsky. So this is Joe Barry's third year with the Green Bay Packers. Usually with assistant coaches and coordinators, they're giving three they're given three year contracts. So if you remember, we never actually fired Mike Petton. We just never renewed his contract. So and honest to God, it's one of the biggest reasons for optimism watching this team right now. 
is the fact that Joe Barry isn't under contract in 2024. So it's that much more likely that he will be gone next year. And that's pretty much all I'm thinking about watching this team. So do we just hold on to defensive coordinators too long because we're too cheap to pay them severance and we want to let their contracts expire rather than fire them? What if? What if? <sighs> well, it, it's really not out of out of question there because we that, that is one of the reasons why we hung on to Mike Pettin because if it was up to Matt LaFleur, he probably would have hired... Who's who's the Cowboys DC right now? Quinn. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. He probably, you know, oh, he was yeah. his coach in Atlanta. Matt probably would have hired Dan Quinn, but Packers had to save a little bit of money. And it's not like, you know, we can get upset about things, but I wanted Petten to stick around after 2018. I thought he was a pretty good defensive coordinator, but it's just, you know, and I kind of wish he would be our DC right now, but who knows? Whatever. Doesn't matter. But either way, it's looking more likely that. This will be Joe Barry's last year, but with that, oh nope, shit, we got special teams. So yeah, we got special teams. One, one more note too, just on the linebackers. I just saw this. Devontae Campbell only had one solo tackle, just to, sh- to really? show how little he was doing out there. So th- just Damn. to back up my point of Quay being in the game, Isaiah McDuffie had seven solo tackles. So just yeah. throwing that out there. That's I know Devontae's been injured, but just more, he's maybe not. He's really not effective right now. He has lost a step. It almost makes you think that you could have taken the money that you gave Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas and just fucking kept Devontae Adams on your football team. Special teams. A terrible... So, once again, Rich Passaccia, man. I like hearing him talk. But, God, he is not... He is not produced a good special teams for this uh, but hold team. It, But is it his fault that... Josiah yes. DeGuara just stands there? Sure. Okay, okay. How about this? How about this? Opening kickoff almost goes out of bounds. Second kickoff does go out of bounds. Same exact side of the field. So you did not correct a very obvious yes. mistake okay. right that, off the that's bat. That's fair. That is fair. Anders, Anders, extra point blocked. Josiah DeGuara didn't do anything. Sure, I'm sure he probably should have done more there, obviously. Sure, won't blame him there either. Nixon had nice returns. I will say this. Abolish the wire camera. Man, do I fucking hate it. It's, <laughs> it's always God a big damn it, Rich Passaccia. It's his fault. Yeah, it was the same thing last year with the Vikings return that Nixon had for the touchdown. It, and I said this when we were watching the game. It's like the line from Jurassic Park, which I'm going to misquote. You asked yourself if you could, but you didn't ask yourself if you should. And that's what this wire camera shit is. Use it on replays whenever you want. Do not use it live during a fucking kickoff. It it takes me out of I can't even enjoy those returns <laughs> when it's that bad. Uh, and then Jaden Reed, he muffed the punt at the 10. Once again, it's kind of weird how we go back and forth with Jaden Reed and Keyshawn Nixon returning at times. But either way, uh, I, I just don't like... Uh, I don't think Rich has done a great, great job. Um, I, I will say this. So... And the only reason I know that DeGuara literally stood there and didn't do anything on that block kick was because I saw the replay of him isolated. And he literally stood there and did nothing. He had two guys coming at him. So that takes me back to coaching then. And it makes me wonder, did the Steelers see something on film that when you pressure DeGuara with two different guys coming at you free, does he struggle to pick out the one that he needs to block? I mean, he didn't, he, he, didn't even he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything at all. That was almost like, like, 
deer in the headlights. Like an F you, like I'm not doing anything. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like when in Remember the Titans, the center lets the guy through to hit the quarterback. Just saying. I guess that's something we'll have to. Who does he hate? Didn't that happen in the longest yard where the entire offensive line did that too? For sure, remember the Titans, but. Take news for the week. Football time. Take news. All right, take news for the week. Uh, We do not have really take news for the week, so I figured we would just do our own takes. From the beginning of the year, like I said, halftime this year was the halftime point of the season. So why don't we look at our season predictions and awards, look at that, laugh at it, maybe say, hmm, wow, these guys are really smart, and then we'll have three more little predictions for the end of the season. So I'll rip through these very quick. Uh, let's see. So, unexpected performer of the year. So, I'm just going to rip through them. Me, Billy, and Todd from the beginning of the year. I had Zach Tom. Billy had Daniel Whelan. And Ouch. Todd, you had Tay Wicks, which is, I would say you're the winner. For winner. That. that was great. Very great. I would say me picking Zach Tom has also been maybe, you know, even less unexpected than, I don't know, whatever. Letdown of the year, I had A.J. Dillon. I'd still say that's fine. Todd, you had Darnell Savage. That's fine, too. And then, Billy, you had the passing game, which ebbs and flows. But for this week, I think we're okay with it. But for the season, yes, it has not been great. Rookie of the year, I had, and I think we kind of use this kind of as talking points, too, discussion pieces for that intro podcast, preview podcast. Rookie of the year, I had Carl Brooks. I do think he's played pretty well. Todd, you had Jaden Reed. He's obviously played much better. And Billy, you had Carrington Valentine. He did come off a good pass defense game, but I would say a terrible run defense game. Depoy, I had Kenny Clark. Todd, you had Rashawn Gary. Billy, you had Jair Alexander. I mean, those are pretty much the three headstones of this defense. Anyways, Opoy, and this is tough because even right now, it's like, who, who do you pick Right now for your offensive player of the year, don't answer. But I had Christian Watson, Todd, you had Aaron Jones, Billy, you had the O-line. All, <laughs> all are letting us down. Probably Aaron Jones might be the winner there by default. But I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Most important person slash persons, I had the offensive coaching staff. I think that has aged gracefully. Todd, you had Joe Barry and Billy and Matt LaFleur. I mean, they're all very important people. Slam dunks. But most importantly... Also, least importantly, record predictions. Ugh, I had. The, I don't. We have to do record predictions. Yes, because I look good. I oh. I had the Packers going nine and eight. Todd, you said ten and seven. Billy, you said seven and ten. So, I figured we'll just kind of go back to. We'll just pick. Three. Mine's We're still possible. Good. Yeah, and I all overall, I think the, all our predictions were pretty decent. There, you know, there wasn't anything egregious, so I'm I'm happy with what we had. But <laughs> except for my record, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, everyone gets hyped up in the preseason. I, I mean, Daniel Whelan has not been good. He had he's, a fi- he's been good. He had a 53 yard punt on Sunday. I think so. I, his I went hang time at, is good. I went and looked at the stats. He is good hang time and yeah, decent average. He's middle of the the pack in average. He's like second from the bottom in net. So that tells me he's out kicking his coverage. Well, Maybe that means that Rich Bisaccia doesn't know how to coach a coverage team. I don't know. But I if, think if, if your hang time is good, though, you really aren't out kicking your coverage. <laughs> your if, coverage 
if you eliminate if you eliminate the punt return touchdown against the Saints, I bet it's fine. And that's I don't think that was all Daniel Whelan's fault. But yes, I it, hey, if you can blame Rich Versaccio, then I'll do that. But so we will do Depoy, Opoy, and comeback player of the season. Briefly, I don't think we have to do an MVP. I don't think it really matters. This is a rebuilding year, so let's just let's just pick a couple things here. I'll start things off. Defensive player of the year, and who I think will be coming on hot the second half. You know, there's a lot of obvious choices here. I have Quay. I kind of thought of him maybe Cute. being the comeback player of the year, but he's when healthy, he's been very solid. He's a tackling machine, and Maybe we'll be forced to put him in some different positions, which we kind of got hyped up about during training camp. But either way, I still like the potential of Quay. He's obviously better than Campbell at this point. He's better than Isaiah McDuffie. I like the energy he brings. He is my depoy for the second half of the year. Todd? I think I think in general that has got to be the consensus. If we were to all, I mean, Billy, I thought, you're shaking your head. Rashawn, I think I was going to pick Rashawn Quay Rashawn should sure. be the choice. Rashawn should be the choice. I mean, Quay is like on pace to set some records here in the first three seasons with tackles. Oh, sure, but I mean, he's all over the field. But you're beating AJ Hawk's record. Is that really that great? Oh, record's a record. We, it's a, we <laughs> saw against the very storied franchise. Yeah, we saw but, against the Steelers how much we missed Quay in the run game on Sunday. Yeah, true. Talk, very true. What, what is your pick? <sighs> I mean, I'll stick with Gary. I had him. I mean, maybe he. Maybe the sacks start to flow here, and and maybe there's a good opportunity. I don't know what offensive lines he's going up against he, here. He has been a little cold since getting the yeah. contract. I'm not saying anything. Been, I'm just saying. I don't think I don't think that's it. I really like him. I don't think he was he's taking plays off or anything. No, but he's doing not. the. He's. I just noticed a couple times this this last week and the week before. It's more of like that. When he gets doubled, he like shuffle. He like he like stutter steps a lot, and he's like hand fighting. And it's like, man, just get the edge. So I'll go with Gary. Um, I would have picked Quay with you, but I'm gonna go with Gary. I think there's still obviously plenty of season left. He's coming off an injury. He's only gonna get more explosive conceivably. So that's my pick. Cool, Billy. I too was gonna go with Quay for the the reasons I voiced earlier so uh just to mix it up i'm gonna stick with jair um i think jair has actually had a pretty good season when he's been healthy been battling that back now the last couple of games um didn't have a great game against minnesota probably not 100 percent healthy i'm optimistic that we can get him back uh 100 healthy and be the type of player that we expect him to be Yes, yes. Strong, strong statement there. Yeah, and I, I wonder, because even, you know, because last year I didn't think Jair played phenomenally, but even Jair's, like, bad games are good games, it seems like, you know? Right. I don't know. He gets his hand on balls more often, it seems like, the last two years, but, yeah. Uh, Andrew, do you have a... You're just listening, that's fine. No, no, come on. I, that's <laughs> just as hilarious as fucking... Perfect. I'm looking Perfect. at a list here. It's like, I could pick a name. <laughs> Yeah, it's like playing Plinko. I don't the 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 perfect producer. In fact, why ever. is Isaiah McDuffie the defensive player of the year in this? Literally, half, I was Andrew. like, I'm going down the list of like, okay, you well, can make a best, case. Who did best this last week? Rudy, Rudy hey, Ford. Uh, hey, if you had a first half of the season unsung hero, Isaiah McDuffie might be it. He's been, that, yeah, I mean, we're losing a lot of games, but he's been more productive than we thought. Moving on, offensive player of the year. 
This is a tough one, too, because once again, if you're picking an MVP for this team right now, especially on offense, it's really hard to pick anyone. You almost want to go with a offensive lineman. But I'm going to go with Luke Musgrave. I love Luke Musgrave. He's still very raw, like the entire offense, but it's more than anything bringing the dimension that he brings to this offense that no one else can really do. Tall, fast, up the middle. We saw it on Sunday. You know, I still like the young rookie receivers. But as far as changing the Packers offense as we've known, especially through the Aaron Rodgers era, I think Luke is most likely to change what what we're used to seeing on Sundays with the Packers offense. So I have Luke Musgrave. Todd, what do you have? Offensive play of the year. I'm going to say this is kind of a tough one just since the offense has been so inconsistent this year. What have you done for me lately? I really liked, even in a loss, and I know the completion percentage was 50%, two picks. Ooh. But I'm going to say, Jordan Love, this offense looked much better this week. I think going forward, it might look pretty good. If we're going up against another defense, that ah. gives up a lot of yards. And the quarterback gets all the credit. So, offense player of the year, Jordan Love. I think we saw him make some throws he hasn't been making. Stack success. Maybe I'll regret this, but Jordan Love. Hard hard to uh, – if you're picking the quarterback on an offense for an offensive player of the year <laughs> spot, you're probably sitting pretty, Billy. I'm going to take the, the Packers' leading receiver, Jaden Reed. I mean, the, yeah. the rookie sensation. It's a good one. Just, just think about where we were in August. What were your expectations for Jaden Reed coming into the year? Five, Pretty six hundred, five, six hundred yards, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you almost had everyone at like 500, 400. Yeah. You know, it was tough to pick. Yeah, he's on pace right now: fifty-three catches, seven hundred eighty-eight yards, and eight touchdowns. If you had told me coming into the year that Jaden, that well, number one, that any receiver was going to have eight hundred yards, Jaden Reed would not have been in my top three, maybe. <laughs> Bold. Wow. He might not have been in my top three, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, but either way, he's obviously. But at impressed. any rate, yes. he's he's been playing great. It looks it seems like he's the guy that kind of shows up every week. You know, Wicks is kind of up and down a little bit. Dobbs is a little bit up and down, but it seems like Reed is just kind of that consistent um playmaker, security blanket, if you will, for Jordan Love. He's sneaky been like our leading receiver all year. Like he's been number two behind Dobbs, I think, since the beginning of the year. And a couple of weeks ago, he's surpassed him. It's just been, it's, he's a very, you know, sneaky. Like I said, he should be getting the ball more, not just when he's open, but like these screen passes, he's the dude who should be getting the rock. And he's not having monster games where he has like right. eight catches for 120 yes. yards. It's That's like kind of the problem. Yeah. Five that, why for we're 80, not talking about it as much. three for 60, four for, for 65 kind of a thing. Yep. So, next award thing, whatever. Comeback player of the season. Maybe someone who hasn't done a shit ton the first half of the year who will develop more the second half. I mean, hey, (laughs) shouldn't surprise you guys. I have Tucker Craft. Again, like I said, the snap count rising. Very talented guy. You know, he was playing for South Dakota State last year. Obviously, pretty tough. Hurt most of the year last hurt, year. Hurt most of the year, too, along with Luke Musgrave. I think Ben Sims might have been banged up, too, the previous year. But once again, you know, he Ben Sims was out snapping him the first month of the season, and now Ben Sims had zero snaps. 
Tucker had 50% of them on Sunday. I think he's very talented. I think he's a big dude. He is kind of the opposite of Luke too, where he's a yards after the catch guy. So I think we'll see a little bit more out of him too, especially if we can get the run game going, get Josiah DeGuara off the field and get uh, Tucker Craft out there. He is my comeback player of the second half of the season, a prestigious award. Yes. I'm going to say, uh, is this like not even, not even a fun AJ Dillon or not AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, not okay. AJ Dillon. Ooh. Sorry. Christ I was almighty. looking at the running backs. Um, no, Aaron Jones. Is that like, that's like a boring one. I don't know. Kind of sort of, but you can take it. But I feel like it's the obvious answer of like how productive he typically is. If he gets those snaps, if he's healthy, we're going to see him produce in the second half. I mean, I think it's a, it's not an exciting one, but I think it's maybe the most obvious one, especially after these last two weeks. It's perfect timing. Exactly. This one's going to be fairly bold. If not Uh pretty bold coming from you, this is going to be incredible. (laughs) <laughs> Eric Stokes is my comeback player Ooh, of the year. Ooh, I like that. Okay. There's there's a spot there with Rasul gone. When is he coming back? I think he's he's probably eligible out one in more two weeks. Yeah. Okay. okay. There you go. So Carrington, Valentine, up and down, growing pains. Rasul is gone. Jair is banged up. There's a spot on the outside. It feels like Keyshawn kind of has the, the nickel spot locked down. We also haven't seen... Eric Stokes play any meaningful snaps in over a calendar year at this point. Yeah. I think he got hurt late October against Detroit last year. Pretty he, close. It was like November. That. No, it was hunting yeah. weekend. It was him. Okay. And, yep, yep. Okay. So about a year ago is the last time we saw him play meaningful snaps. And he didn't have a great sophomore year ahead of that injury. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, getting right, getting healthy, Maybe a little bit of time away from football to, to get his mind right will take him back to the player that he looked like he could be his rookie year. I like that pick. It's almost like during training camp when I, we were picking like uh, you know someone who was going to surprise, and I picked Sean Ryan. It's not even so much the player, but the position that they're in. And it's like this was a highly drafted player, top 100 player, and there's a role there that's open on the team. So, you know, hopefully a talented player can fill that role, you know, when you're looking for something to happen there. Uh, last thing here to finish on for our second half predictions. To- or total. Our win total, I suppose. Our record to finish the season. After looking at obviously we're 3-6 and six right now. I said obviously, but I had to, like, look at it before we started recording because it's like when you're losing, you don't really know what your record is. I have the Packers going seven and ten. I'm between that and eight and ten. I just think you know, and it's not eight, like eight we, and nine, eight and nine. Yeah, sorry, it's not like we have like a crazy season here. So it obviously on Sunday we're playing the Chargers, then we play in Detroit, then we play the Chiefs at Lambeau, then the Giants in New York, then the Bucks at Lambeau, the Panthers in Carolina, the Vikings in Minneapolis, and then we finish off the season, the Bears at Lambeau Field. So the way I'm just looking at it here, spitballing here, I think we win one of these next three games against the Chargers, Lions, and Chiefs. I think we win two between the Giants, Bucks, and Panthers, and I think we win one between the Bears and Vikings. And again, optimistic brain, if the offense turns it on and keeps playing decent and they keep progressing here i think you throw in another w which would bring us up to eight but i'm gonna be safe here just because you know more often than not this team has let me down with it being young so i'm saying seven seven and ten for the season todd i'm gonna say one less 
six and eleven is what I think. I think there. I only see three. I see potentially four or five wins, but realistically, you know, I don't think we walk into Minnesota and steal a win. Um, yeah, we can beat the Bears, Panthers, Bucks, eh, maybe the Giants. I don't know. The rest of it looks a little bit scary to me. So, I feel sneaky good about the Chiefs game at Lambeau. The Chiefs haven't been blowing the doors off of anyone this year. No, you're right, but I just we haven't blown the doors off anyone. Uh, the we Bears. just tried to not get <laughs> That's our doors true. We did, we did blow the doors off the Bears. <laughs> yeah, how, You're not wrong. How dare you? It wasn't that That's, long ago. That's true. Only a couple months, Billy. So I said 7 and 10 at the beginning of the year. I'm I'm torn. Like you have you to are. stick with it. You I'm, have to stick with it. I'm sticking with 7 and 10. Yeah. I, yeah. Unlike you, Spencer, I think we get swept the next three games. Uh, sneak peek to uh, Chargers prediction here but you know you look at the Giants they they're down to a backup quarterback they're not a good team to begin with the Bucs I think is going to be a tricky game the Panthers are awful and I think we beat the Bears in the last game of the season so give me those four wins in fact I will guarantee right now we win those four games I'm gonna go think... totally opposite direction. I, I think we're gonna go five <laughs> oh. and five and twelve. Okay. I think the... I think we're gonna beat the Bears and then we'll get a random one in there. But like we're playing the Giants in New Jersey. Trash. Uh, we're playing they're in trash. Carolina. I know they're trash, but like you, I just I don't I don't know. I need more than just one and a half camp games of confidence to really back up any okay. you know wins. All right. That's fair. Okay, thank you. Five, so five and twelve. You have the Packers finishing. Yeah. Cool. Okay. With oh, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is Kyle an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. Is Kyle an idiot for the week? You guys were two and one last week after not Three knowing and what I don't Pittsburgh hear is. But either way, you're not idiots on the season. You're over 500. Three more trivia questions. Here we go. You want you want to start with the the non-chargers question, the most difficult one first, or you want to keep that for the end? Non-chargers. Non-chargers first? Yes. Okay. Jordan Love was nine yards short of a 300-yard game on Sunday. Uh, the Packers haven't had a 300-yard passer since December 12, 2021. Who are the four quarterbacks since 1992 to have a 300-yard passing game for the Packers? Four quarterbacks since 92. Favre, Rodgers, Flynn. Yep, those are the easy ones. Now, who is the last one? Do do we think Tolzien? Did he have a big game? The game that Love started last year, did he happen to have like a big no, I don't. Yarder? I don't think Love no, has okay, gone okay. over three hundred. Okay, I, know I don't think this Tolz, year, but... I don't think Tolzien did. Um, was it uh, Brett Hundley against uh, winless Cleveland? Are we giving? Is that? Are we giving that as an answer? I. It's that's you guys. That's my best guess. So okay, five. What what are you guys going with, Hunley? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Brett Hunley, unless you guys have like a better he... choice. We are. Yeah. We can go. Oh. Yeah, go with it. Yeah, 
You are wrong. Uh, Todd, you were right. It was Scott Tolzien. Which Damn. Made, which, why I made this, I said it was the toughest one on the week two, because that surprised me as well. He was the, <laughs> and I think it's funny, because he, so Scott Tolzien is the last Packers quarterback, not named Aaron Rodgers, to have a 300-yard game for starters. It was in 2013 in a 13-27 point loss to the Giants where he had 331 yards passing on the season. He had 717 yards passing like one game. They only put up 13 points and somehow he threw for 313 yards and it was almost half the yards he had for the season. So yes, well done. Well done, Todd. That's my fault. Yeah. (laughs) I just remember him having a big game at one point. I was like, I don't know. The only game I ever remember with Scott Tolzien was the Vikings. The Minnesota game. The Vikings game and the spin and the tie. Yes. Just awful. That is the worst football game, I think. (laughs) Super gross. The fact that the spin actually worked against a professional football team is just ridiculous. Okay. Next question. This is the first time the Packers and Chargers are playing at Lambeau Field since 2015 when the Packers won 20-27. What was the final play of that game? It was a deflected pass by Demarius Randall at the goal line on fourth down. Oh, yes, you're right. I I was at that game. Oh, that's right. We did talk. That's one of the few positive games that you've been at. But yes, that That was was the out route. He breaks on it. Phillip Rivers chucks it and he knocks it down. We're like, oh, my God. Didn't he have a pick to that game? He might have. It's one of those weird memories where I assume because I can visually remember it that everyone visually remembers it. Going from right to left at Lambeau, back corner, I think it was Vincent Jackson, mm-hmm. but he just tried to throw a little out or whatever there, and Randall just breaks it up. We were actually in our throwbacks that game too, which yep. I did not remember. Oh. But I think that was Randall's rookie year uh-huh. as well. R- Randall and Rollins, we were like, these guys are going to be great. Turns out they were both <laughs> awful. Uh, next one. The Chargers have a Kenneth Murray Jr., Derwin James Jr., Asante Samuel Jr., Mark Webb Jr., and Andrew Farmer II. Can you name a Packer that is a junior or a second or a third of his name? Anthony Johnson Jr. Yes, very good. I won't make you guess Brenton Cox Jr. Carl Brooks. Oh, Carl Brooks Jr. Brenton Cox Jr. and Benny Sapp III is on the practice squad still. Oh, There you go. Lots of uh, juniors and uh, numbers there, I guess. Billy, do you have a stump spenny for me? I do. And I'm going to be honest. Your second trivia question was originally going to be the stump spenny question. So I got to go to my backup choice. Oh, thank God you have a backup. Look at how prepared you are. Kyle was never this prepared just to be the co-host of the podcast. In 2008, which Packers player had a 99 yard Interception return for a touchdown, which tied the franchise record for longest pick six. 2008. Yes. Chargers. It is unrelated to the next opponent. Oh, it, it had nothing to do with the Chargers? Correct. Oh, so 2008. Oh, fuck. It's 2000, sorry, can you repeat the whole thing? In 2008, which Packers player had a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown, which tied oh. the franchise record? I, I'm going to assume that was Aaron Ross. Aaron Rouse is Rouse. the correct answer. Whatever, yes. I remember. I, I shot a deer that day. It's funny that you asked me this. So I shot a deer that day, 
And that was one of the few Packer games I did not watch because it was in during hunting season. And I got done with a, with a drive and like checked Twitter or my phone or whatever. And I saw we had a long touchdown where Aaron Rouse picked off Peyton Manning and all that. But yes. Probably not of, Twitter in 2008. Yeah, I don't think. But it was, <laughs> it, it was some type of social media. But I was upset I didn't get to watch the game. But I did kill a deer that day. So that was cool. But yes, Aaron Rouse, who was, who's a senator again, which is really oh, weird. Yeah, really yeah he was reelected or whatever last week. Very good question. But <laughs> I am a genius. So. How was because I, I supposed to know you anything? shot a deer that day? Sorry. Y- yes, Trenner? Because I haven't fact-checked anything, I feel like I need to. Uh, <laughs> Todd, Twitter was founded in 2006 <laughs> and mainstream by t- mid-2007. So Not saying it wasn't Twitter, just saying feels like... Probably not Twitter. Probably not Twitter. Well, I guess, Andrew, you have to check when I created my Twitter oh, account. Oh, yes. I, I, <laughs> yes. I don't think I did until I was a freshman in, in college, which was 2010. So I don't think I okay. was. Okay. Well, then, Todd, you win this one. Aha. Anyways, more important thing, moving on, the Chargers preview. You're playing the Los Angeles, not San Diego Chargers. Kickoff is at noon on Fox. And I tweeted this out there, and it's once again this whole part of you know, we're relearning what being an NFL fan is. You know, remember when we bitched about always getting Troy Aikman and Joe Buck? Well, don't worry about that. This week we have Kevin Kugler and Mark Sanchez. I literally Googled Kevin Kugler because I had no idea who the hell this schmuck is. Apparently he's called a lot of college games and baseball games and some NFL games. It's kind of a fill-in in the past, but oof, that is where we are at. The Chargers are three-point favorites. The over-under is 44 Three-point favorites at Lambeau, and they are four and five. I don't like that number either which way. The Chargers just lost to the Lions 41-38. to That was in Los Angeles for them. That I feel pretty good about the Packers winning this game for whatever reason, but seeing that the Chargers are minus three at Lambeau gives me the heebie-jeebies. That seems like the... Vegas is trying to get people to bet on the Chargers or bet, sorry, bet on the Packers with that amount of a point spread, but whatever, that's Vegas. I'm sure people love betting talk. The Chargers on offense, they are seventh in the league in points per game, 11th in yards per game. They are 24th in yards per carry and 11th in yards per pass. They have the least giveaways in the league on offense and they're sacked the eighth least. Justin Herbert, fine year, whatever. He's, I just always assume he's like a top 10 quarterback, but he still really hasn't ever done anything. You know what I mean? He's kind of, yeah. he's in a weird spot right now. I don't know. Um, but yeah, 17 touchdowns on the season, five picks, a 99.5 rating. Uh, running backs, Austin Eckler, obviously, and Joshua Kelly are the top two. Eckler is getting a 3.6 average on the season. Kelly's getting 4.3. Eckler is obviously also a pass catching back. He has 248 yards receiving on the season. I believe he was banged wow. up early on, so I think he's getting a little stronger, healthier right now. Keenan Allen, uh, Josh Palmer, and Gerald Everett are the pass catchers. Everett is the tight end. Mike Williams, they're... I don't know what was he a fourth fifth year receiver he's been in the he just got re-signed last year I mm-hmm. believe he tore his yep. ACL early on so he is out and then the rookie Quentin Johnson who I believe is from TCU he's really fucking sucked this year so don't expect much out of him me saying that means he will catch a touchdown on Sunday but yes that's the offense they're pretty you know above average 
Their defense, 24th in points per game, 31st in yards per game, 16th in yards per rush at 4.1. That is what they're giving up. And they're 31st in yards per pass, which I didn't realize that they were giving up that many yards. They're 8th in turnovers forced per game and 8th in sacks per game. Uh, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, uh, Morgan Fox with 5.5 sacks. Joey Bosa, 6.5. Khalil Mack has 9 because, what, he had 4 or 5 sacks in that one game like week Yeah, three. I think it was 4. He's a weird player. He, you know, it's like four or five years ago, he was like a, you know, pristine premier name in the NFL. And he's never really, you know, he's never been was a, a couple of years where he was rem- the guy. Do you remember how yeah. scared we were about that Bears defense when they traded for him? How pissed a lot of fans were that we didn't trade for Khalil Mack right. for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, they had that one cool half against the Packers to start the season. But that was about it. They also have uh, Derwin James Jr. The safety was really good. Um, Eric Kendricks, a familiar foe, is on their team in Asante Samuel Jr. The son, I assume, of Asante Samuel. Correct. But- <laughs> Thank, thank you. I don't know. I don't know why our fact checker didn't uh, didn't uh, check that one. But yes, overall, I mean the the Chargers are always like the seventeenth, sixteenth best team in the NFL. It's like they they don't make the playoffs that often, but it seems like they're always in games or they always have highlights or you always think the Chargers are actually better than they are and that kind of seems to be the case again this year it's almost like this is the year where we have to decide on herbert if he's actually good or not because he's always kind of felt like he's a good quarterback but i don't know again i uh, you know we lost last week but i feel a lot better about the team over the last two weeks and this is a los angeles slash san diego team i'm sure that's still down in their core traveling to green bay to wisconsin i haven't looked at the weather and it was like 50 here in minnesota today but those guys having to travel halfway across the country to play outside at lambo i kind of like our chances what do you guys think i did look up how many it was he had six sacks in one game cleo mack did. that's what it was yeah jesus against the raiders so he is, three so he the is rest. three in eight games okay <laughs> that, that's borderline bad yeah, I don't know. Uh, any, I, I just don't feel good in general about the the team putting it all together to win games. I, like I said, I was excited this week. I thought we made a lot of really good strides. We're just not there yet. I think it's just there's a lot of developing that needs to happen. Um, and the the run D took a step back. Um, to see if that happens again. But we're going up against a a, a better passing offense, a better quarterback. So I expect that secondary to get picked on a little bit and that that's kind of where i think this game gets away from us is the secondary it'll be a very big day we're recording tuesday night wednesday's the first day of practice jair playing in this game is huge quay i think also i would assume quay's gonna be back that never seemed like it was a major injury so i'd be surprised if he missed multiple games but jair playing in this game would be huge, especially with Keenan Allen, you know, being kind of the bona fide number one for for the Chargers, mm-hmm. Billy. That's exactly where I was going to go, Spencer. Is that offense? Keenan Allen is explosive. One of the more underrated wide receivers in the league, in my opinion. He's got almost nine hundred yards already. It's like him and him and Mike Evans are always just like the unsung right. like number one guys in the background. Yep. And I think Herbert's having a really nice year, 17 touchdowns, five picks, like he said. So trying to hold down that passing attack in particular is what 
concerns me with this game because our safety play hasn't been great. And even if Jair plays, Carrington Valentine's a rookie on the opposite side. Um, offensively, to your point, Todd, I think I think we can go and score on these guys. They don't have that. Um, it's not that impressive of a defense. It feels like they live or die by the big player, the turnover, sacks yep. or turnovers, yep. right? So Steelers were the same way too. They've been kind of shitty as far as yards go, but turnovers statistically, and sacks is what done, yeah. Statistically, it's a similar-looking defense. 31 in yards. They turn over the ball. Top This 10. is week three of Mere Week. We're playing like very similar teams three weeks in a row. You know, Brandon Staley, too, a similar defense to what uh, so this, Joe Barry pretends to call. This feels to me like a shootout in the making. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, we were saying that like <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people did. Going into halftime of the Pittsburgh game, too, we were like, oh. Easy over. It was like 38 or whatever, and it was 30 points at halftime, and then sure as shit, second half. What, were there any touchdowns in the second half, or was it just field goals? Yeah. That's kind of the way I feel, too. Is well, that it was it still is 42, like a... so it covered the over. Yeah, no, it still went over, but it wasn't like... Easy. Yes, crazy. Yes, easy peasy, yeah. I do feel like it is. I agree that with the shootout comment, it's just like we're out of shells. It's a shootout. <laughs> yeah. We just don't have enough ammo. Like, that's the problem. Well, it's like mystery ammo. It's not that we're out of it. It's like, I don't know what this is. Let's see. Half our blanks. Yeah. Half of our blanks. Half our blanks, you just got to fire. But if you happen to grab a handful of live ammo, right? You could be in (laughs) for something. But yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It will be a good test for the defense. Again, I want them to play well. You know, I don't want to complain on Sundays, but. This will be a big test for Joe Barry going up an actual passing, going up against an actual passing attack. Um, score predictions. I'll start things off. You know, I kind of hemmed and hawed and kind of led to this there. I have the Packers winning twenty-seven to twenty-one. A little bit of a shootout. This is probably the mo- that would be the most to definition of a shootout for what the Packers have had so far this year. But yeah, I think th- I think there's some scoring back and forth. I think we kind of level up on offense. Hopefully, here on out every week, yeah, we'll see what this defense. But yes, twenty-seven twenty-one Packers pull it out. Todd, what is your prediction? I have thirty-one twenty-three, and it's I just. I just don't think we win this one. Um, like I said, I just don't know if we can. We can't. I don't think we can keep up. Losing a game with that score, like here on out, is kind of. I don't want to say the goal, but if we lose a high-scoring game, you know, like every week, I'm like, cool. The future of this team is on offense. The defense, sure, but we there's just no chance with the guy who we got calling plays. Spencer, I liked your comment about. The offense leveling up. We've seen it the last couple of weeks. We looked better against the Rams. We looked even better, I thought, against the Steelers. I already said I think it's going to be a shootout. So I know we haven't scored more than 20 points since week two against Atlanta, but I'm going to say we get 28. It's just unfortunate that I think the Chargers will get 37 against us. So I'll say 37-28 Chargers. Very cool. I like if we score twenty points here and out. Maybe that's how I should simplify. If we sport, score twenty points a game here and out. I'm very happy. Andrew, what is your score yeah, prediction? Yeah, I'm going thirty-three, Chargers twenty, us. Beautiful. The other thing that I just thought of, and Andrew, maybe you can fact check this: yeah. is Casey Hayward in the league right now? Because he obviously signed with the Chargers after we didn't sign him, and that was the same offseason as Micah Hyde 
going to the Bills, I believe, or maybe that was a couple years after. But I wonder if Casey Hayward's still in the league. He obviously signed with the Chargers right after. But anyways, bold predictions. My bold prediction, maybe this isn't very creative. I know I've had it earlier this year, and I've talked about it a little bit already this episode. I have Tucker Craft scoring his first career touchdown. He had a reception last week. I think he's due. Rookie touchdowns are fun. Tucker Craft touchdown. Todd, are you going to be bold here? Hmm? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say um, um, I'm going to say Jaden Reed two touchdowns. Ooh. But I'm going to say yeah. But I'm going to say one of them is on a little jet sweep play. I was just say two. That I, I like you like. <laughs> you'll have a bold prediction and then you like double double down, down on it like i think fine. It, yeah. i'm fine with going lighter and just going two. cool that works for me i like that billy how crazy would it be if all three of our bold predictions come true because i be a lot of scores i'm gonna say jordan love four total touchdowns on sunday Wow. That'd be very cool. All right, Trenner. That's with your score prediction. I feel like Trenner is going to bring bring the house down with this one. Something nope. negative. No? no you were I mean, very nope, negative nope, two weeks nope, ago. I'm not. I'm going to go uh, Musgrave has five catches and a touchdown. That's not bold. That's not bold? No. I don't think it's had more than four all year. All right. Um, I'm going to go five catches, a touchdown, and <laughs> 75 yards. Okay, sure, whatever. Okay. <laughs> also, whatever. Casey Hayward hasn't played at all this year. He uh No, nah, he Was gone. He signed by anybody? No, no, <laughs> no, he done. He done. No, let's leave it at that. He gone. Okay. He gone. He gone. Uh, with that, I don't have anything else besides I guess I'll bring this up. Uh, it was announced today or yesterday. Clay Matthews and Aaron Campman will both be uh, inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. I think that's pretty cool. It's kind of kind of weird too, because it's like the one of the you know the late two uh, thousands great white pass rusher was Aaron Campman, and then the early twenty tens the you know the guy who essentially replaced Aaron Campman when we went to a three four was Clay Matthews when Aaron Campman wasn't too thrilled that he was having to transition from a 4-3 to a 3-4. He signed with Jacksonville after that. But kind of cool to get both of those guys in the Packers Hall of Fame. I don't know. Any, any thoughts on those I was just going to say, I thought it, was, it is funny that it's like the changing of the guard going from Aaron Campman to then Clay Matthews, the replacement when we yeah. switched to the 3-4. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. I'll say this. So, I grew up in East Central Iowa as a big Packers fan. And Aaron Campman went to Applington Parkersburg High School in northeast-ish kind of Iowa. Small little farm school, consolidated high school. And well, yeah, for there's, a time, there's only like 2,000 people in all of Iowa, right? Uh, less since I moved out, actually. <laughs> okay, okay. At any rate, this high school at one point had produced three different NFL players. Aaron Campman, Jared DeVries, who played defensive tackle for the Lions, and Casey Wegman, who played center for the Chiefs for a long time. So for three hmm. long-term NFL starting players to come from the same high school in small-town Iowa was pretty crazy. So I always kind of had that connection to Aaron Campman because every town in Iowa is a small town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is pretty cool. I um, And Clay Matthews, I, I don't want to say like a super weird career, but fuck, man, the, like – the whole time he was with the Packers, 
it just felt like he was going to be a Hall of Fame player. Especially those first few years, he was always in like the discussion for defensive player of the year, always yep. had double-digit sacks, always <clears throat> had to know where he was at. And then after he left, he really just disappeared. And I don't know if that's just the NFL kind of changing because he's almost like that KGB-type build where he, as getting older, he really only turned into a pass rush specialist and then he falls off. But I was really surprised he didn't have much of a career, you know, those last three seasons in the NFL. Well, if you remember, the Rams. if you remember, our defense was so terrible, we had to move him to inside linebacker for a couple mm-hmm. of years, and that really sapped his production. Well, it, it sapped his production a bit. He was still under contract, but I know that turned the team around. I think that was, I think 2014 is when he moved him to inside linebacker, and that helped us get to the NFC Championship. That early? I think so. I could be, I could very well be wrong on this. But this is the end of the episode, and I don't think we could fact check this in time. We 2014 have, was the year I, we I signed Julius to, Peppers. It it can be a correction in the uh, the outro. Perfect outro or whatever. But with that, I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. Cool. Well, go pack. But with that, Eric Costin. Nice week. Please don't sue us. I don't think that apple's on the spoon is dumb. (laughs) I remember driving by it like one of the first times down here. Like look over and like, is that the fucking thing right there next to the highway? No, I was the exact same way. It was like, wait, that's where the fucking spoon is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the most it's the most disappointing thing you've ever seen in your life. You see it on like all like the cutaways on like Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And then you like you drive by it for the first time. You're like. I, I always thought thing. it was like its own standalone thing, too, and it's in this garden, sculpture garden full of other bullshit that nobody cares about. But didn't we just borrow that? Like, that was gifted to us for like four years or they five keep, years. It they keep saying in the that. Well, what it's, else? It's, it's part of a traveling Literally everything um, is borrowed. art piece, from my understanding. I think it's been there for like 20 years, though, so we yeah. didn't give it back. Sure, maybe that's very possible, too. Historical background of the arch. I just know it was somewhere else. What do you guys, do you guys, anybody know? Don't care. Oh, the arch. I was talking about the apple or the cherry on the spoon. I just was looking it up. Do you know what they the don't arch move represents? the arch? <laughs> the arch. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah, I'm talking about the, the they spoon. move it every year. I do remember hearing what the arch does represent. The I arch, don't know what it the, is. It's the gateway to the West. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that sounds right. Okay. Um, uh, Jeez, didn't you guys go to third grade history class?